0: This particular occasion offers the opportunity to allow samadhi to gather and develop in line with these practices and training, discipline and encouragement and just time, patience and taking the time, letting things deepen. So quite rightly samadhi is in any of the lists of that provide structures, pedagogical structures, in the Buddhist teaching samadhi generally appears rather late as representing some sense of its a result of many other factors accumulating, ripening, maturing. Generally the Sense of these, what these factors present, uh, a certain sense of uh, morality and, and faith, and mindfulness, and appropriate application of energy. And all this is by wise reflection, deep attention, sikara, the, uh considering what's worthy and unworthy, what's suitable and unsuitable, and, uh, what leads to the ending of suffering and stress, what is praised by the Buddha, what is recommended by one's teacher, uh, and what uh, feels appropriate in terms of one's Life and one's chitta. When these opportunities arise, as they may not, for many people, may not have the inclination yet, may not be ripe yet, mm-hmm. faculties may not have matured yet. Life has not offered the opportunity yet. Uh, an adequate teacher isn't available yet. Uh, so, for many people, this, this is not. Available, this doesn't occur. But if these do occur, then one has the every encouragement to uh, cultivate towards samadhi, and it is a, a necessary factor for uh, the path. There's a saying in the um, suttas of. A path with no samadhi is no path at all. It's not a path. This is because the uh, quality of samadhi strengthens and deepens the transpersonal uh, domain of the chitta, And it's through deepening and steadying in that they were able to get some perspective on the personal, the formulated, personally formulated. Our habits, our inclinations, our attitudes, our bodies, our appearance, our stories, have some way of standing clearly and easily outside that. We can't really get perspective on it. And this personality naturally is bound up with suffering and stress otherwise it wouldn't have chosen to be here and it's just the fact is the personality is an inadequate medium it's moulded by circumstance often random, haphazard um, social familiar it's not generated with shaped for enlightenment It's kind of just a a makeshift that gets fashioned out of factors, random factors, environmental factors. One takes it very personally, of course, since that's the medium we operate through. (coughs) And when we operate through that, then we're establishing or laying down the footprint for further perpetuation of this. These footprints, residues, upadhi. Um, personal personality is one uh, predominant aspect of selfhood. not the only, but it's the predominant one, oh. uh, the most apparent one. It creates personal footprints. My life, my story, my future my past, my people, my occupation, my body, my this, that, and the other. So getting some, rather than wrangling with it or trying to dismiss it or suppress it or trying to make it something else, we're just finding a place where we can just contemplate that with a mind of goodwill and equanimity and see what's what it's made of and how where uh, the wrong messages have got built into it, or inadequate attitudes and programs have got built into it, mm. stepping outside the personal footprint. Mm. And it's not to say that personality is not significant, it's extremely significant, mm. because this is the medium we're going to operate through and create karma through. So it's extremely significant. Uh, and, but then in order to reset that or to release that or to you know, service it, we have to find a place where we can really step outside from another perspective. So we're not just kind of getting a personal reaction to our personality. <laughs> see what I mean i wish I could be like her this kind of thing it just uh, doesn't do anything useful and it doesn't actually produce any good results but the uh, quality of samadhi enables us to step, step out of that and what's really helpful in terms of karma is personality is the karma agent has to come through that. So what kind of karma feels good? And uh, in just in the general tenor, the tone, goodwill or compassion and so forth, this must always be a big part of the ingredient. And then how can this particular form manifest that present that uh, through this particular body-mind experience Mm. with its limitations considerable limitations and so this then we definitely have a path we've got something that's informing us how to live our lives uh, so we're not just you know, wasting time or going off the wrong track or trying to do things we can't manage or not doing things we could manage. So just making our personal life more fruitful is one um, result of samadhi. It may sound strange that We're looking at a path, whole life path. Of course, this is not the only aim, but it's certainly it's the bare, how it lits up, knits up to the knits in with the other factors. It's easy to to sort of have two lives, you know, or to imagine we have two lives. One is our ultimate truth, and then then we go out and do the, the groceries. They're separate things. <laughs> But in studying, uh, c- contemplating the personal footprint, you're going to come up with some very significant um, factors. And this is a uh, predominant one is Sankhara, mm. activations, formations. And those two words give you an idea of, they're both ways of translating sankara. just the the range of what this is, activations remind you this is about karma, acting how we get activated it's about that rush in the nervous system that runs through and gets us going it's about that or it's about the slow surge that rises or the or the absence of it you know, not activated and the, the, the kind of ricochet effects that can occur, we get activations that we don't like and we activated negatively by how we're being affected and then this whole kind of reverberation occurs. Mm. Are we excited about uh, something or the other or disappointed about our moods, about how we're being activated? Activations give rise to moods, effects, mind states. What we're aroused by then becomes, creates a a mental object what we're saddened by creates a mental object what we're frustrated by creates a mental object that mental object becomes a source of concern even obsession then we're in it and then we're doing more activations on that one <laughs> and then karma yeah, so we can feel the we move towards you know sense of stimulation, craving, restlessness, uh, negativity, these activate. And then based upon that, a mood arises, and then we maybe fight with that mood if we don't approve of it, more activations. Or we crystallize around that mood and say, yeah, this is true. Uh, and, then it, it, and then I am this and she is that. This kind of thing goes on. Or I am this and the world is that. So we get these, these moods create realities that then we get embedded in. So in this way, they're also formations. They form. They form phenomena. They form, they form forms. Physical forms. Felt physical forms. Uh, the way our body is experienced is really a sankara Mm -hmm. we may be so familiar with the experience of the bodily form we don't even realise, don't even know it it's like the shoe that you wear so often you don't even realise you're wearing a shoe it just feels like the normal way of walking is that sensation you try to really contemplate what your body experience is in terms of a Sensations and even particular patterns of sensation, whether it's tight or loose or fuzzy or spasming or whether it's in the belly, in the head, in the chest. This is a very formulated form, not personally chosen by any means, but sankara formed. And that sets up a basis for how we are. Whether, whether there's a brittleness because we're very tight and contracted, Where there's an uh, over-thoughtfulness because we're, most of the energy is up in our head, yeah. or whether it's just we feel sluggish because the energy's the body is it, barely there. We've got a very itiliated or thinned out experience of body, mostly spacing out and then these act as the foundations of particular emotions and mind states, and they act as the foundation for particular activities to either counteract it or emphasize it, or, you know, you, that acts as the basis. So for rupa is impermanent, as it said. It does, does, doesn't mean that your body dies. Well, of course it means that, but it means right now. It's it's in this, this thing that you experience in your body is really a changing, flexible thing or quality set of qualities sensations and energies and even the range of sensations and energies Mm -hmm. and you can just get a sense of it you know i mean there's people who have got very high energy people you can you can sense it you can feel it you can notice it very high energy or highly delicate you know well is softness and skinless, quite delicate, or pretty expensive. Then you feel that 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 becomes their footprint, based upon which they think, Oh, this is the norm <laughs> and it's not. It's a somatic form. Kaya Sankara. So if we're cultivating soothing, easing, levelling, balancing, evening out, calming the bodily formation, breathing in, breathing out, steadying it, balancing it. Uh, and this is not by any means having any sense of antagonism at all to one's personhood or one's body, but just actually working for the welfare of it to make it more comfortable and balanced. And you find if you do that, Certain energies change, and certain moods become less strong or fade out altogether, and even you know mental preoccupations. Oh, that's not there anymore. So this is the samadhi process. Hmm. Kaya chitta sankara. Sensing, thoroughly experiencing, thoroughly sensitive to, and then calming, soothing, easing, leveling, uh, quietening, however you want to put it, pasambayang, the citta sankara. It's that, you might say, very colloquially and loosely speaking, our emotional responsiveness. Hmm. In a sense you know uh, where where mind jumps or surges or retracts or gets spinning or goes numb or spaces out or freezes a Sankara. Mm. and how this is a kind of moment moment by moment experience it can be pretty fluid and there, but there are probably certain forms that it that it takes. Yeah, this is an activation. It's also a formation, and it may sound mysterious to to to. If I say your your mind has a particular shape to it, but it is shaped by Sankaras. and most people's minds, I would suggest, are shaped with a strong forward push. They're not spread. They're not they're not kind of spherical or open. They're actually sharply pointed forward, because that's the dominant tendency well, of uh, social life, and particularly life which believes in our societies, believe in development and progress. So much so that we might find ourselves, what do you mean? Well, of course, it should be development and progress. Yeah, well. <laughs> Sounds good. It really wasn't a term until about sixth, 16th century that d- didn't have these ideas, development and progress. It's mostly just maintaining balance and harmony with more of the sense. You know, just living in harmony with God or the way it is, or the ancestors, just the of keeping things in a nice harmonious state, uh, and naturally, there would be changes, but there's no push forward to it. It's just certain things would become apparent or change or whatever. But then with the development of science and mechanism, we get this sense of you know we can do all kinds of interesting stuff that will give us a bit more power over nature. The natural world. And uh, cut a long story short, 500 years later, yeah, we got that, all right. (laughs) You've nearly destroyed it. (laughs) The natural world. Uh, If you ever look into these figures, and I don't really want to quote them, if you ever look into it, I wouldn't recommend you look into it right now. (laughs) You know, but anybody with half an eye would recognize just... You know, it's huge. What is this with progress? It's incredibly destructive and extremely uh, limited to a, a narrowing percentage of creatures, of human beings, basically but even a narrowing percentage of human beings, a narrowing percentage of human beings, ever narrowing. Mm-hmm. And that's progress. It's a, It's a point it's an arrow point that sharpens and sharpens and sharpens until there's only very few at the tip and it's going forwards. And if we you know look into that we'd also realize well the effect of that on the chitta. Uh, depression is the number one life inhibitor in this um, modern world. number one above cancer, everything number one depression if you ever look at it's not just feeling a bit fed up this is a very serious debilitating paralyzing phenomenon depression anxiety two most common uh, problems human beings well because the chit has been squashed in in a in a into a shape in a form Where it is not allowed to replenish, it's not refreshed, it's not in touch with harmony in nature, because we, because of power, and the lust for power, and the beautiful baubles, jewels that power presents for a narrowing percentage of beings, Mm -hmm. so that that becomes the shape of the citta almost, you know, so, so common that even, you know, well-intentioned people, very well-intentioned people, are still held in that because of the, the myth of the time. There could be no actual fruition, no furthering, no blossoming, no enriching of human beings without this pressure to push forward. The willpower becomes the dominant feature, so dominant we adopt it in meditation to get further, better progress. Mm. We adopt it in meditation, we adopt it as a lifestyle. Mm. With well-intentioned people. Mm. So, you know, it really serves us to, you know, not necessarily to believe what I'm saying, by any means, but uh really just getting it from your own experience or just contemplating how much of your your mind energy is aiming towards either you know either you know or, you know this retreat, how many more days before get to the or climb up the dumic path to this state or another. Uh, so I can get to be uh, a sathapata or the 15th jnana or something or the other I will arrive at, this kind of push. And then behind that, of course, we experience this this thing called strive, strive onwards and upwards, willfully. And it all sounds quite reasonable, good enough, and even... um, encouraging you, know, you sort of get a feel for it do i really want to be an hour hunt that much <laughs> and really this gets this becomes absolutely pivotal and crucial at this place of samadhi because uh, the very way it's handled and understood particularly is that we say you know we, we try to concentrate and we start with that mission on day one to concentrate get concentrated uh, and if you you know review just what the Buddha is saying he doesn't he never says that. He never says it. In fact, the word samadhi is most is... I've, I've only ever seen it expressed as a noun. One enters, one attains, one's mind acquires this quality, it doesn't do it. You don't concentrate. you you enter it so it's a kind of domain or a place or a state where the mind feels comfortable settled accompanied by pleasure joy and a refreshed body you know that's that's the line that you, you can see iterated many times and it does take some work to do that definitely but it's often a kind of You know, suppling, massaging, relinquishing, steadying, patiently bearing with, uh, being more sensitive to. Mm. So, and and then really, as you contemplate it in your body, you can feel, perhaps directly, the result of that mental shape, the forward trajectory, the push to the point, and how that affects your body. as it does. And then you come to a phrase like, thoroughly sensitive to the entire body, or is mindful breathing in and out, longish breath, short breath. There's not a lot of push in that. There's not a lot of forward in that. There is certainly uh, uh, some shifts occurring. But is it perhaps not more the case that these, yeah, there is a training, but the training is towards something like entirety, whole body and sensitivity, not towards arriving somewhere. That will happen by itself. Those things will unfold. So this, this, what I'm loosely speaking, the power domination model that has devastated the natural domain that we we are blessed with experiencing (laughs) blessed (laughs) you know can you imagine if you'd never seen a tree or a flower and you come across one of these things you just go mad with joy such 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 wild beauty available to us just just dig it up cut it down (laughs) trash it you know sparkling rivers, wonderful life forms, Uh, just commodities. And then you look at this domination paradigm, how it affects nature, how it affects national bullying, you know, international bullying. (laughs) You know, call it what it is, it's just people saber rattling and bullying, and then, you know, within the nation domination and inequality and brutalization and it gets right down to the family model you know people still do that to their their children or their their spouses behave (laughs) get in shape lick beat you into shape (laughs) lick you into shape (laughs) shape up or ship out (laughs) you know it's that kind of pressure and then, of course, we we take that on, and make, we sort of do that to our to our own bodies and minds. And you see, so you, so when you encounter this, you think, "Well, let's just see what the body says about this." This is the last piece of nature, maybe, with incredible, wonderful, mysterious processes that we're given. that we could kind of explore rather than shape up into something so you put a lot of these had to put a lot of these agendas on hold just because I think one should severely mistrust one's one's habits and ideas and idealism and just bear come back to the realities of nature the natural body yeah. Uh, so, like a rewilding, so you, you can take out the social pressures and influences and got to get there, got to make it, these strategies becoming, and the basis, power, willpower, domination, cut through. So this in this is the citta sankara. It's the it's the activation and the formation of citta. It's formed by certain perceptions and feelings, and the perceptions are often an inheritance from the myth of the nation, or the myth of the tribe, the human mythology, the myth of religion, you know, we were given, God gave us this planet to do what we like with. You know, that was a bad idea, wasn't it? (laughs) Who who created that one, (laughs) you know? And smite your enemies and this sort of stuff did God say that <laughs> yeah, so the, these the, we, we and even if we may have skipped out on that particular piece, there's still a sort of the mythology is there, and the perception is there. the human being is the supreme, and he, she or she has every right to get what she wants, every right it's her right to do that. Right comes in my rights. (laughs) That's an interesting construction, isn't it? And what gets generated? That indignation. I should have it my way, and the rights of the individual. Now, what's more useful is what's my responsibilities to the whole picture? And if we all hold that, then what's my responsibilities to you? You know, is, is caring, sensitivity, patience, willingness, and so forth, appropriate relationship? Then the word rights doesn't really have to pertain because the riots is, is often very person forming in the individual because that's what it's come down to we've got that narrow point and of a necessity because the the whole group is not in harmony therefore i have to hold my own that's that's what progress has done does the progress of the of the ever narrowing minority It's competitive. if we enter into the group, my responsibilities, my appropriate responsibilities are like this. And sometimes I feel willing and sometimes I don't feel so willing, but I know my responsibility is this, I work with that, you know? And I have personal flavors of this and that, but I work with that. You use a sense of template of one's responsibilities to you know, work through some of the, you know, biases and preferences. And similarly, man's meditation, you know. We just use this template and this occasion. You know, this is what we're with. And so I have to check in with my body, my breathing, mm-hmm. checking in with my responsibility for, uh, to, to have custodianship over my mind and how it operates responsibility if I'm not responsible for this I, how can I be responsible for anybody else I'm not I'm not a responsible adult yet <laughs> so we get the whole picture and we see you know, there's bits I rather like which is the bright bits and the bits I don't like so I feel dull and sluggish bit tired and it's, you know, just come on work with that come on yeah, work with that work with that that's part of the picture too uncomfortable feeling that's part of the picture sadness and disappointment that's part of the picture there has to be room for that this is uh, always this sense of building up this uh Increasing capacity to encompass the whole range of the mind without getting reactive to it or forming a person out of it. Either a person who doesn't want it or a person who does want it. A person who resists and fights with it, or a person who feels totally caved in under it, or a person who gets infatuated with it. We don't take these don't form a person out of these intimate phenomena. The responsibility is to listen and attend to them. Listen deeply, listen sensitively to the, what's there. And so the mindfulness helps to hold the, the arena, you know, what we're gonna deal with. So in a situation here, we're dwelling in this particular uh, scenario. Uh, it's an occasion for this, and our responsibilities are pretty, hopefully, fairly simple, and not favoring anyone in particular. It's just we allocate, level out as best we can, duties in accordance with health and other things. We're servicing the group, servicing the group, in a sense of sometimes bits I like, don't like, work with it, you know other people, people I feel comfortable with, people I don't feel so comfortable with, work with it. So just this sense of mindfulness to just keep that contained and then leave outside for now, you know, the future, the rest of the world, uh, and other things one could be doing to, to just leave that out for now so that we can maintain a focus. This is mindfulness in this respect. Now sometimes mindfulness, because of this, in my opinion, um, erroneous uh, way of handling or talking about samadhi or even sidetracking it, you get, mindfulness can get distorted into extremely contracted, tense states, where you're highly focused on some small point. Um, when it's a certain, the mind is shaped into that gripped state, and it acquires that gripped state as this is meditation. This is the norm. And this is the this is to meditate means to get into this gripped, tense state, focused on one point. Otherwise, you know, that becomes the template, the standard. And as we do it, we get into that, and we even can entrain or like get into whole group situations where people are doing this, and there's some sense in which it builds up a certain pressure to who can get most gripped and tight for longest. And, you know, and hold it, hold it there for hours on end. And certainly, they get into some intre- different states of mind. Occur for sure, they occur. But uh, what can occur is dissociation. Basically, we just leave the body and get some. Ah, oh, this is samadhi. I can't feel a thing. You know, it must be nirroda. <laughs> no, it's dissociation and numbing out. It's contracted state. Well, if, you know, maybe I'm being a bit frivolous here but you look in the suttas you don't see the Buddha ever talking about mindfulness in that respect of course the other way in which we can you know the other extreme which maybe is almost a counterbalance is just to almost have no focus at all and just like I don't know really seemingly open but actually you're not handling anything you're not there's no contact there's no full sensitive feeling contact we go to the space of the mind which is certainly takes the pressure off and changes that that uh, fierce shape into something more sustainable but perhaps we're not really getting the the learning of making contact of what occurs at the place of contact where something touches us Psychologically, somatically, emotionally. So if we just go to spacing, letting things pass, then specific pieces of our pattern can be fogged out. You know, we don't necessarily get it. So I do really recommend um, Sati. Mindfulness, and to the point of directly knowing and sensitive to the entire body. <laughs> you know, you've heard. And this then actually training, which is, so there's a certain, definitely there's an inclination. There's some sense of, but it's not, you know, whipped. It's not driven, but is train, like you're training in calligraphy or dance or flower arranging, they're trainings, get that, balance it, because the training is towards sensitivity. Hmm. Only because of what occurs by itself at that level of sensitivity, by itself. And this is the beauty of it, is it's not, no longer, it's not a, Personal decision, you know. When one touches something in that sensitivity, it bypasses, you know, the person and it goes straight to chitta. There's a, there's, a, there's a what I call the primal sympathy, anukampa. There's a resonance of oh, and then what comes forth is an appropriate response. So just the contact, and again the phrase is quite pertinent, one touches in one's own body. This phrase coming up in terms of jhana, in terms of the immaterial states, in terms of the indriya, in terms of the deathless itself. It touches it. Perhaps enigmatic, but there it is. The moment of release is the, the touch. If we, what happens to the place of, of, of direct contact or well, to directly contact something intimately means there's to be a lot of assured safety and sensitivity. We're listening in, what's helpful now, what really, not what I want, not what I want to have happen, not an answer to my question not me running it but I'm willing to touch and be touched and see what comes out of that touch what comes out of that touch see what and read it, try to read it, try to listen in the inclination could one at that place of touch could one's inclination one's felt wish just to be to calm soothe ease not discover not make happen not get rid of not change not get come to an answer not know but just to just to be a presence of benevolence responsiveness you do this in in terms of your own somatic domain. You'll find pretty pretty enormous benefits, and that the requirement to stay sensitive. There's nothing much going on, or it's a murky day. Uh, just stay in touch. Keep in touch. Don't get distracted. Keep in touch. The place of, of that direct touch, hmm? well, what do you do with, uh, so we come to, because we come to situations particularly where our doingness can no longer prevail, and people are dying. You know, people are sick, people are in their deathbeds. Many of you are, are coming into that time where you're going to be noticing this more and more often. Terminally ill. End of the line. Yeah, no longer, Now, no, you know, they say, so there's nothing we can do. You know, she's 93 or something. You know, feel helpless, depressed, anxious, worried. Did I do enough? Regret. Trying to make something work. They encourage you to just, you know, stay in touch, just stay in touch be present open your heart listen attend and let that have its effects because in that is that place of direct touch the boundaries self and other begin to dissolve and this dissolving means we're coming out of the personal footprint the me project coming out of the me project into the me you know getting better we're coming out of that project into something wider, more mysterious, more felt, directly sensed. And this is the way and the reason and the benefit of samadhi. It's taking us to this place where we're no longer ourselves. Our personhood. And it's an accessible place. And it's a comfortable place. And it's a place not arrived at through some kind of you know, diktat, or you know, it's not a place where you get a, a, a garland and a flag gets waved and trumpets blow. <laughs> it's a place of just the feeling comfortable and easy and sensing very present, uh, def- very present, directly sensing, but bit outside of one's personal footprint. You know, this is important to get up to that domain for the reset of views and attitudes and approaches to that will lead to uh, clearing old karma. No longer keep walking around with the same feet and certainly for the welfare of, of others. You know, it's it's uh, when I live in a rural environment, so you know one has the opportunity to sense the natural world, and certainly some of the negative things that occur. So, I remember a couple of we were going on this long arms round over the through the countryside over the hills, and they found they come across a place where there was a a young deer in in. In her fear running away had got snared up in a barbed wire barbed wire fence got tangled up and they were they didn't have any, they were like five miles away from anyone. we didn't have any cutters with them to get her out and they were trying to untangle this little creature and she this creature was terrified and palpitating and they, they, they they couldn't they couldn't do it they couldn't they couldn't get her out. We just "Well, I think, well, what we can do? we just very gently place our hands upon the little creature. Just calm it, you know, and you feel in that I mean, I can feel even when I talk about it that you know the touching, the calming, also the deep. Regret, we have done this. We created the wire. You no, know, so you're sort of touching something. There's no personal thing. It's just you take you. Re- there has to be part a place to realise that. You, know? you see. Uh, have this, uh, we have a lot of. We used to have a lot of rabbits. Anyway, we have the occasion of this disease called myxomatosis, which human beings <laughs> developed <laughs> and infected rabbits with, and it, it's horrible. And every now and then, this this disease sweeps through the rabbit population. You see them kind of flailing around in their pain and screaming. And what happens is it gradually gets to the brain and the tissues start rotting the eyes disappear the eyes rot away it's this poor helpless creature that can't see anything and you're just kind to try to at least and they can even feel you coming it's so frightened that you could get close enough just to at least touch it with one's mind until it, it kicks kicks itself into death it flips over there has to be a place to to, uh, to feel that and to know that and to be to learn something about karma with no accusation just get it Directly. And when you get it directly with no sort of accusation or aversion, just look, this is the results. This is what you this is what results which what this shape of mind does. It does this. <laughs> and you know, and you, and you put place into your own body, what do you do to yourself mm. with, that. with that mind shape? Mm. Both, you know, in, in a micro sense, in terms of your own body, in terms of your life, in terms of how you regard yourself, how many, how many times do we find ourselves trying to beat ourselves into shape, and what shape is it? Right, sharp, clear, progressive. It's a deadly shape. It's to come out of that form alone, we're beginning to cast off the death dealer. Uh, This particular merciless quality that human beings can be taken over by. We're thoroughly sensitive to how we're activated before we act before we photograph who we think we are and what we think we should be before we do that thoroughly sensitive to that so you don't get the wrong message just touch it rather than interpret it this is the f- this is the feeling of un Uncertainty or unworthiness. Don't pho- don't take a pho- personal photograph of that. <laughs> it feels like this. What is needed? What is needed? What is needed? Try not to have a word for it, but just touch it. Be with that. Uh, That's itself. This is what's needed. To to meet that. The agitation the regrets, the pressure. It's it's not get annoyed with it. It's not cut it out. It's not a cut model anymore. (laughs) It's a touch model. Touch, and less and less the person touches it and more and more the embodied citta touches it, the healthier we're going to be. And samadhi is both the gathering, uh, I say strength, but I'm cautious about that word, the, st- the gathering form, you could say, it's a certain strength to it, in but its, it's not power strength, it's a strength of, of uh, uh, calmness and gladness and f- uh, wisdom it's the accumulation of that just it rests uh, it, it, it rests upon what assails us what convinces us what drives us yeah. there's a possibility for transformation and we have this occasion this time you know where I don't know what what I'm supposed to be. I don't know what you're supposed to be. I don't know how it's supposed to go. I don't know the end results, really. But more and more you get to know what you can do now with what arises and gain confidence in that. And and then we we see. It's It's that sense of something quite mysterious that can open... In a natural way. Well.